0: Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. This morning's scripture passage is probably going to sound pretty familiar uh, because we went through it, what, three weeks ago? And so I want you to approach this passage with fresh eyes. The whole talking with a mask thing. Um, it's trying to creep down my nose on me. So, I want you to approach this passage with fresh eyes, with a fresh perspective, looking at the idea of what it means to be reborn. Let's start our reading. It says, now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied very truly, I tell you that no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if we speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. May God add his blessing as we continue in worship. Now because it's Communion Sunday, I just want to want to put out the little gentle reminder. Uh, if you are in 6th and 7th grade, you're sticking around this week. That way we could take up the offering for uh, America for Christ in the last song. But anyway, um, I decided not to share germs with you guys. That's why I wasn't helping with communion and things. There are some things that it's nice to share with friends. Germs, not one of them. Um, So, uh, thank you. So, I'm going to pray, and we're going to get rolling with this morning's sermon. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the opportunity we have to be here in your house to worship you to focus on what it means to be with you to have new life to recognize the fact that you came down to earth to die for us to make us whole again we thank you for that in your name we pray amen all right so Rebirth. Kind of an interesting concept when you really think about it. Um, and I can understand why Nicodemus was probably pretty confused. It's a bit of a weird concept to wrap your mind around. But like Dan said, it's all about second chances. And I don't know about you guys, but I know that I need second chances and third chances and sometimes fourth and fifth. And uh, it's a good thing that God doesn't count, right? He could. He could count every single one of those things and weigh it against us. But if we put our faith in him, it's washed clean, which is super awesome. So, just to start off, we remember Nicodemus, he approaches Jesus at night, right? And there's a few different reasons why he might have done this. There are some people who think that it's because he was a Pharisee, so he was up studying and debating the law late into the night. I guess they would do that sometimes. Um, But a lot of people think that it's because he was probably a little bit embarrassed or a little bit hesitant. He wasn't sure about this Jesus guy. He had his suspicions, some of them good, some of them he wasn't sure, and he wanted to go and see for himself and sort things out. So he goes up and he approaches Jesus, and he says, Rabbi, we, remember this is we plural, We know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. So this we means that at least some of the Pharisees believed that Jesus was at least a good teacher or maybe some kind of prophet. Now he's not brave enough to straightforward ask Jesus, are you the Messiah or are you a prophet? He just kind of comes to kind of feel it out a little bit, and he's not, he's not quite brave enough to really ask the question. But he does recognize that Jesus is a teacher sent from God. I don't think in this moment he necessarily knew just how accurate of a statement that was. If we think about who Jesus was, you can't get more from God than that. Because he is God, Right? He came down from heaven, down to earth. He came as God incarnate, in flesh, to dwell among us. Jesus replied to him and said that no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. Now this is kind of an interesting reply, right? Nicodemus approaches him and says, you know, oh, we know that you're a teacher sent from God because of the signs that you've done, the miracles that you've worked. And Jesus doesn't acknowledge the miracles. He doesn't talk about the signs that he did. He doesn't start listing off the things that he's done or the things that he's taught about. He jumps straight to the kingdom of God and says, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born Again. So between Nicodemus being focused on Jesus' miracles and his works, and this response, it elicits some confusion from Nicodemus. He responds by saying, you know, how how could this how could this possibly be? That doesn't make any sense. You want me to go do what now? You know, a full-grown man can't go back and enter the womb. I'm sure that neither, neither the child nor the mother would like that even as just a baby, let alone a full-grown person. Nicodemus wants to understand what this means. So Jesus answers, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit, with a capital S. That's important. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. Now when it's talking about being born of water, there are some people who take this text to mean baptism, but that's not quite what it's talking about. One of the first steps other than contractions being more and more frequent when a baby is born is that what breaks the water. So when it says being born of the water, it's talking about your actual natural birth. That's why it's talking about flesh and then spirit. God's making a comparison here. Yes, you have to be born, but then you also have to be born of the spirit. Capital S. What's interesting, if we think about this, if you guys remember when people were comparing John the Baptist and Jesus, John the Baptist was running around baptizing people. It was obviously a a pivotal part of his ministry, right? He, He wasn't called John the preacher. He wasn't called John the evangelist. He was called John the Baptist. His big thing was baptizing people. And yet, his baptism was of repentance. And we were given the opportunity to look forward and recognize, you know, his baptism was of repentance. But we were told that there was going to be another baptism that would come, and that would be a baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that would come from Jesus. So in a similar way, there's a difference there. There is a baptism that was of water and repentance, but then there was a baptism of the Spirit. Now, part of that was because Jesus hadn't finally made that last sacrifice, right? And He hadn't ascended back into heaven and given us the Holy Spirit in that miraculous way to indwell in our hearts, to live with us forever. That hadn't happened yet. That happens at the Pentecost in Acts chapter 1. And so things things have been different since then. But we see here that there's this differentiation and that we have to be reborn again spiritually. Now, what's kind of interesting is Jesus is an expert on being born again. We know that Jesus was around at the beginning. It tells us in John chapter 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. Now, I know that's a big tongue twister, but we get a little bit of elaboration if we skip a few verses and go to verse 14, where it says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus is this word who then became flesh and dwelt among us. That means Jesus was around from the beginning. This word with a capital W is Jesus. And if Jesus was in the beginning, that means when he came down to earth as a little baby, Well, he'd already been around, he just hadn't been around in that same way. So in a sense, he was reborn, but he was just reborn physically, not spiritually. He's been spiritually full in everything that he's needed to be from the beginning. He was just reborn physically. But we, on the other hand, need to be reborn spiritually spiritually. So for us, rebirth is all about change. It's all about second chances, like Dan said. For us, it is about allowing our hearts to be made new. See, when a baby is born, they can't do a whole lot, right? They make noise, they cry, they eat, they sleep, they poop, and you repeat that cycle, right, for a while. And they kind of work their way up from there, right? It starts with just milk, and then they can have some pureed vegetables, and then at some point they can start eating some soft things, and then they work their way up, and it takes years. A baby doesn't come out and and order a, you know, medium-rare steak. Doesn't work that way. It takes time. And in a similar way, when your heart is reborn and you come to know Jesus, it's a process. You don't just wake up all of a sudden having it all figured out. And if you do ever figure it all out, let me know. We'll write a book together and make millions. It takes time. I think that that's where a lot of people get mixed up about the whole Christian thing. A lot of people say, oh, you Christians, you're just a bunch of hypocrites. Well, yeah, no kidding. Nobody's perfect. It takes time. It takes work. It takes effort. It takes growth. It takes humility. And we're going to make mistakes because we're not perfect. Jesus has credited us with his righteousness, and so in the end times, we won't be judged for those mistakes that we've made, but our mistakes don't just stop because we've been made new. We're still learning. The other kind of weird thing about being reborn spiritually is that it doesn't correspond with your age. It corresponds with your spiritual maturity. You can grow spiritually just like you do as a person, and in a similar way, right? If you want your, you want your kid to grow big and strong, they got to eat their broccoli and drink their milk, right? Well, in the same way, as a Christian, if you want to grow big and strong, you got to eat your spiritual broccoli and drink your milk. It takes time and effort. Now Jesus, when he talks about people who have been reborn of the Spirit, he says something kind of interesting. He says, you should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases and you hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. And so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So the Spirit is moving. It's active. It's living. It's breathing. It's working through those of us who have been reborn. But you don't necessarily see it in a physical, tangible way. And sometimes the Spirit leads us in a way that we might not expect. As I was looking at this analogy of the wind, I couldn't help but think of how the Spirit is basically the wind in our sails. Now, there's a fella here, actually. I'm looking right at him, uh, who's pretty adept at sailing. He spent a good while in our in our church gymnasium uh, with with. Actually, they're both named Mike. Uh, they were they were hanging out, and they spent a week building this huge sail in the gym. They had a fancy sewing machine and this very specific sail fabric, um, and they spent a week working on this huge. I mean, it it was what 41 feet long or something like that, right? Yeah, it's huge, and the whole point of a sail is that it catches the wind, and you can move the sail and adjust it so that you're catching the wind most effectively, and then push your ship. The Holy Spirit is the wind in our sails. It gives us that momentum, that push, that drive. Now, just because you have a sail doesn't mean you get to make the wind happen or make the wind come from a certain direction. The Holy Spirit is that driving force. And it should push us. And sometimes that might not be comfortable. And sometimes it might be pushing us in a direction we didn't expect. Or maybe even a direction we didn't want. Look at Jonah, right? But we need to be sensitive to that. As we look at Jesus and recognize not only Is he from heaven? And understanding what that means for us and how that should drive us and push us, we also need to remember how the Holy Spirit was pushing him. We skip a few verses. It says in 13 that no one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Nicodemus wasn't quite brave enough to ask the question of whether or not Jesus was the Messiah, or whether he was a prophet, at least not directly from what we can see. But Jesus makes it pretty clear, saying that the Son of Man came from heaven. It's a pretty bold claim. Now, we don't necessarily see Jesus directly verbatim say, I am said Son of Man, but I imagine Nicodemus must have read between the lines. He was a pretty smart cookie. You don't get to be a Pharisee just for having a cool beard. Nicodemus must have known. And we see at the end of John that Nicodemus is one of the people who helps prepare and take care of Jesus' body. So this isn't the only time we see Nicodemus. When we look at this whole passage, it shows us that Jesus not only is the Son of God, but that He wants us to be reborn, just like He allowed Himself to be born for us. And that once we're reborn, We get that guidance from the Holy Spirit, that push. See, at first Nicodemus wasn't sure if Jesus was from God. So Jesus spells it out for him. We get to see, yes, he is sent from heaven, sent from on high for us. And that if we put our faith in Him, it allows us to be reborn. Everybody everybody knows John 3.16, but I really love verses 17 and 18. I'm going to read 3.18. It says, Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. John makes it clear. If you somehow missed the picture today beforehand, he makes it clear. If you don't believe in Jesus, if you don't put your faith in him as God's son, you're done for. You already stand condemned. He makes no bones about it. But if you do, not only are you not condemned, but you have the opportunity for rebirth, for a second chance. We took communion today, which is a part of celebrating that new life. I want to urge you to consider what that looks like for us moving forward. You might have been a Christian for years and years and years, and you've already moved on past some of that spiritual milk, and you're ready for more growth. You're ready for the Holy Spirit to really blow His wind in your sails and encourage you to go out and do something new. Or maybe you haven't taken that first step yet, Or maybe you're somewhere in between and you know that God wants to do something new in your life but you don't know what. Or maybe you're struggling to read and understand your Bible. Or maybe you're recognizing that you need to do something to get more plugged in. None of us are in the same exact place. But as soon as you put your faith in Jesus, we are all brothers and sisters. I want to encourage you this morning. If you haven't been reborn yet, we have the opportunity for a second chance. And if you have been reborn, there's still so much to do and so many ways to get plugged in here at Greenfield. I'm going to selfishly plug two things that I know need our attention. One of them is the two- and three-year-old class. I walked by the door, and there wasn't a name signed up for today. I, I wouldn't be surprised if one of the lovely people in our church popped in and took care of that need this morning. But that sign-up sheet still has a lot of empty spaces. That's an opportunity to serve. And another is we have a membership class coming up in a couple of weeks. If you're not a member, you don't know what it means to be a member. That enables you to serve in new ways. that enables you to do things like be on boards and committees. And to have an established connection with our church. It's not just about getting a little asterisk next to your name in the directory. It's not about making Greenfield look good because we have however many members. It's about being connected and committing Those are some of my favorite noises on Sunday morning. (laughs) They are. But God wants us to be committed to him. And if you haven't committed your life to him, it's not too late. The altar is always open. Now, I'm not going to stand down there this morning because, again, I don't want to share germs. uh, But I'm sure that fellow right there will take care of it for me. We don't often necessarily sit here and say come down to the altar and you know stand in front of everybody. But it's a way to make it known. And there are some people who just come down with prayer requests or to say that you know oh, I was really impacted by today's sermon. It doesn't even have to be just about committing your life to Christ. Sometimes it's just a good place to come and pray and gather Or to lay something down before the Lord. So I want to encourage you to allow yourself to be reborn. And if you're already reborn, I want to encourage you to allow yourself to be renewed then in the Spirit and let the Lord fill the wind in your sails. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your love, for your mercy, for your kindness. We thank you for the fact that you give us the opportunity to be reborn, renewed, and drawn near to your heart. I pray that you would help us to feel refreshed by your spirit this morning, challenged to grow, challenged to pursue you. that we would see you as the Son of God come to reestablish our connection with the Father and that it would spur us on to growth. In your name we pray, amen.